Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And good morning, Birds 365 fans. You got your Mac and Mac guys back together again. I take it by the somewhat robust look on his face. But John McMullen is once again passed his COVID test. Would I be assuming correctly, Mr. McMullen? Uh, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about robust. But yeah, I did... Uh... I did pass. It was a little bit, uh, the email came a little bit later than normal. I don't know why that bothers Ooh. me, but it bothers me. Uh, it, it, I think could, they're doing Could we extra. see you sweat because the email was later than you? Well, one time it came at like three in the morning. That's the late, latest it's ever, ever come. And I was assuming that I was half dead. They didn't want to give me the bad news. But, uh, last night was just about an hour or so late. And I always, you know, conspiracy in my mind i'm thinking well they're double testing and whatever but so far so good which is pretty amazing considering you know nobody cares about us we're all mucked together in media houses and planes everybody else's distance you would think i would uh be in be in bad trouble but so far so good it means the vaccine's working which is a good thing and uh yeah, I, I love getting off on, on tangents like this, and I apologize ahead of time. But we got two hours, and we got plenty of Eagles Raiders in, Burge fans, fear not. Um, how many times have you been tested now? How many times in your life have you had to take the COVID test? Ooh, uh, well, last year I got tested every day throughout training camp. So that was, uh, that's like 30-ish or so there. Um then it was uh, once a week throughout the season, and and it's pretty much been once a week uh, through this season. So a solid way over 50, I'd say between 50 and 100. Uh, well, whatever that number is, since it's between 50 and 100, I'll pick one. 70 times you've been tested. That's 70 more than me. <laughs> I have never taken a COVID test. I don't cover a team on a day-in, day-out basis like you. I've uh, never had symptoms, never felt bad, so I didn't feel the need to go get one. I have never had – they still uh, going up the uh, nasal passage for the test? Yes, yes. And it's, you know, dependent on who you get, which day. You might have an easy day. You might have a brain-tickling day. Oh, it, it hasn't affected your brain. It's still working quite well for us here on Birds 365. Thank you, J-Mac. Um, we've got a good show planned for you, mostly Eagles and uh, Raiders conversation with the game coming up on Sunday. And I got a, a major issue for the Eagles and how they're going to be able to potentially win this game against Las Vegas. I don't think it's going to be very easy. Uh, Marcus Hayes is going to join us coming up in a little over uh, 15 minutes from now. Uh, he grabbed everyone's attention with a column earlier this week when he suggested Jalen Hurts should have a seat, that the Eagles should actually make a change at quarterback as quickly as now. 
which mm. is a little drastic for me, but we'll discuss that with Marcus when we punch him up. Uh, but I do want to talk about the quarterback position here at the top because, oh, guess what happened? The Deshaun Watson conversation percolated up again yesterday. Apparently, the Miami Dolphins and the Texans have had substantial conversations. Nothing imminent, but substantial conversations. Our buddy John McClain, who I can guarantee you is tied to that uh, Texans organization. He has probably got more insights slash sources for that team down there in uh, Houston than any other media member uh, was one of those who was saying that, yes, the conversations aren't just informal, that they are getting uh, closer to potentially doing a deal. Um, there were also reports that the Eagles have had conversations with the Texans. No one's saying that uh, they have been as advanced as the Miami conversation, but at least if you were wondering, Eagles fans, are the Eagles staying in the hunt for Deshaun Watson? Well, at least they're trying. Uh, let's talk about the Miami situation before we talk about the Eagles, John. Dolphins have been a team that have been as closely tied to uh, Deshaun Watson as any during this offseason. Tua Tungabaloa has not gotten off to a great start. Uh, I'll tell you, watching that game last week, and yes, I got up at 930 to watch football from London. Mm -hmm. uh, he was not bad, too, for over 300 yards, threw a couple of touchdowns. Um, he was not the main reason that the Dolphins lost and fell to one and five, which is very good for the Eagles since they have the Dolphins first round draft pick. Thank you very much. Um, but apparently Miami has soured pretty damn quickly on Tua Tungavaloa, and that's why they're ready to do this deal. Here's my question for you, JM. Nothing's changed. There's been no progress in Deshaun Watson's off-field situation. He still has all the lawsuits against him, which have not progressed any. Uh, sometimes things drag slowly through the court system. Uh, the investigations by the Houston PD, the FBI, which because some of the masseuses that he had come in were from out of state, which gives the FBI uh, the ability to uh, investigate a case like this. And the NFL itself, there are three ongoing investigations, and they're going nowhere fast, too, because Deshaun can rightfully say, I've been advised by counsel not to comment. If anybody wants to talk to Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson can say, uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you now because it's going to affect my upcoming civil lawsuits. So nothing has changed on that front. The <clears> only <throat> thing that's changed is the NFL trade deadline is getting closer. So that has perked up these conversations again. Is there any, any chance that something's going to happen here, JM? Yeah, I think he's going to be moved by the trade deadline. I think he's going to be moved to Miami. That's always been my assumption. Be, behind the scenes in the league, it's been, you know, that thought process for a pretty long time, honestly, and that, you know, a lot of it from Miami is ownership driven and that Stephen Ross wants uh, Deshaun Watson uh, on the Dolphins. And, you know, if you're – if you're a GM, if you're a head coach, you might want something different and you might be able to hold off the owner for a little bit of time. But ultimately, if he decides he wants something done um, and Deshaun Watson, from all indications, would like to be in Miami as well, one of the uh, situations he would like, um, it's difficult to, <laughs> to hold off the owner. If the owner wants something to do, you got to do it. Uh, and I think that's where we are. Uh, with the Miami Dolphins. And I think that's what has 
changed? If anything has changed, I don't think much has changed, but he's probably put his foot down a little bit and said, all right, let's do this. If we wait um, to next year's draft, we talked about a lot. It's only going to be worse as far as, as, as trying to acquire the guy, because you're probably going to have uh, more interest from teams around the league. We've seen the draft. The top of the draft is not heavy at quarterback this, this year. It doesn't look like it's going to get any heavier. It doesn't look like there's going to be uh, miracle runs down the late stretch of the college season that push people up the board. I think it just comes down to the owner wants him, and he's and he's telling these people to get it done uh, by the trade deadline. And then, you know, then the conversation becomes, what does the NFL do? Does the NFL put him on a commissioner's exempt list to keep him off the field? Um, which I think Miami is willing to um, uh, take that medicine and wait. Uh, but, but it will force the NFL's hand because technically he could play right now. He could play for the Texans. Uh, if he gets traded, he can play for the Dolphins. He can play for the Panthers. He can play for the Eagles. Uh, from the Eagles' perspective, we've been telling you on this show, yeah, they would love to have Deshaun Watson. They have interest in Deshaun Watson. They've been <clears throat> checking in and taking the temperature on Deshaun Watson forever, it seems. Uh, he doesn't want to play here for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is. Um, but he's got a no trade clause and Philadelphia is not one of the places he wants to be. So let me ask you about the NFL's uh, stance as we sit here today. They never <laughs> took an action against Deshaun Watson. And it's at least partially understandable because the NFL has tried to, when they can, not take a stance before a legal situation plays itself out in court. If they can wait till after a situation is dealt with in the court systems, they do. Sometimes their hand gets forced and they need to take a stance before the courts can play themselves out. They've chosen not to here, even though we knew when depositions would come and we knew this wasn't going to be dealt with till 2022. So you knew that it was going to go the entire season that if they wanted to, they could stand on the sidelines. And that's what they've chosen to do. If he gets dealt next week, 10 days, to either Miami, Philadelphia, Carolina, whatever, nothing will have changed. So what would the NFL stance be as to, okay, now we're going to take a stand, and here's what we're going to do. They have to explain why, don't they? What is different because he's been traded to another team? Well, two things there. I think you've seen by the, the John Gruden stuff and the Washington football team uh, uh, investigation, they don't have to explain anything that they don't want to explain. And they just do what they want. But that's, you know, set that aside. It's been a very unique situation. The league has gotten a little bit lucky from the perspective of Houston um, has decided they don't want to play him and is willing to go along with this ruse and just pay him and have him sit there and, you know, he's deep, he's not activated. So they've gotten kind of lucky. And Deshaun hasn't complained about it because he doesn't want to play for Houston. So it, it's been an easy road for the league. They have not had to make a decision. Now, presumably, if Miami acquires him, they want to play him. And, you know, maybe he hasn't practiced all that much. He hasn't played all that much. Maybe it will need a couple-week ramp-up period if, say, they – make the deal at the deadline 
but the clock is ticking because they'll want to get him on the field if he's capable of playing. He'll also want to be on the field if he's capable of playing. So then they have to make a decision. Are we going to let this guy on the field, the media circus that follows that, uh, you know, the negative publicity that's going to come out of that? Obviously, Stephen Ross has decided it's worth it uh, from the Dolphins' perspective, from the league's perspective, you know, either put him on the commissioner's exempt list and fight that fight or let him play. That's the only two options right now. So you mentioned and deal with the negative publicity. That was going to be my next question. Thank you for setting it up. Uh, Miami, Philadelphia, Carolina, whoever recovers, whoever uh, is able to trade for him. He, all these charges are still above his head at this point. And if you were to trade for a guy and bring him in, sure as heck, you want him to play right away, get that, understand that. Are they going to face public scrutiny? Are they going to hear from their fan base? Do they handle their business the same way the NFL's business? Yeah, complaints, get at the back of the line. What are you going to do, turn off the TV on Sunday? I don't think so. Is that the way it will play with the organizations that would acquire him if he is traded? I mean, you can only speculate but you 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 know the dolphins have already made their decision there they've already they already understand no matter what happens and they know there's going to be protesting and they know there's going to be picketing i mean i i I, you know you look at dave chappelle special i was joking about that i thought it was a chappelle show sketch Uh, you know he was doing his comedy special People didn't like some of the jokes. They're picketing in front of Netflix. They're having a walkout in, in front of Netflix. I mean, that's that's where we are in 2021 America. I mean, that's where we are. And, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jeffrey Lurie a lot over the years, Jody, you know, being willing to give people second chances, whether most notably probably most high profile would be Mike Vick. Michael Vick, sure. Um, there were a lot of protests. There were people – but man, even from that set, which isn't that long ago, to today, society has changed greatly. I mean, there, there there's going to be a significant blowback uh, to the Miami Dolphins or anybody else that trades for Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, you as an organization have to have developed that plan going in. It's pretty clear to me, Stephen Ross has already said, all right, we'll take it. And the NFL has the knowledge of what you just said. Same thing with the Gruden investigation, the Washington football team stuff, no written report. It's laughable on its face. Um, but they know you're not changing that channel. <laughs> they know at the end of the day, people can yell and scream all they want. There, There's a large sample size to pluck from. People do not change the channel from the NFL. And you can be upset with it. You can individually decide you're not going to follow the product anymore. If you're an Eagle fan, you say, I'm not rooting for a team with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. That's perfectly fine. You probably got off the train when Michael Vick was the quarterback as well. I openly said on the air that I have a tougher time watching games where the quarterback is a guy who uh, I can't respect, who I look down on. I did give Michael Vick this much. He did his time. He did. He went to jail for a significant period of time, got out, and I do believe in second chances. So I didn't chastise the Eagles for giving the guy a chance. Just personally, 
I couldn't bring myself to root for a guy who uh, had the hand in dog fightings that he did, but that's just me. Everybody can make their own decision. But here's the point, and you and I have kind of hammered this home. We're not going to change. Uh, there's What do we got right now? 70 people watching that live here on Birds 365, and that many more after the fact thereafter. You're not moving the needle by yourself. The NFL has the captured audience that they have. And Deshaun Watson is not going to, the playing of Deshaun Watson is not going to bring the NFLs to its knees. Uh, the NFL has had bigger issues and bigger problems, uh, Aaron Hernandez, uh, to deal with. And they've gotten <laughs> past that. Okay. So they'll get past uh, Deshaun Watson as well. And that's why I think a team like the Dolphins and or the Eagles is willing to take that chance if need be. Yeah, and there's going to be more. Carolina, as I said. And if you get to next year, if he isn't traded by the trade deadline, if you get to next year's draft, when sort of uh, uh, in free agency before the draft, when, when the um, transaction season, so to speak, kicks off and everybody looks at those young quarterbacks and say, we need a quarterback, we can't find a quarterback in this draft, it's only going to be more expensive. And that's what you know, Howie Roseman talks about being the bad cop all the time when it talks to player transactions, talked about with Zach Ertz. You you got to make that football decision. Okay, we want to get better as a football team. There's going to be some PR hits. Um, we think this guy is going to play. I don't think anybody's acquiring. I think that everyone's in that camp. There might be a suspension, but he's going to be back on the field. Do you want to win football games? Do you want to not win football games? I get the moral argument. I get I get all that, but uh, that's a personal decision, as you said. There's going to be plenty of teams who want Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline. There's going to be more teams that want him next March and next April. So Agreed. strike when the iron is hot or don't. We'll find out if something does happen over the next couple of weeks. November 2nd, Tuesday, November 2nd is the actual trade deadline. All right, uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, a.k.a. Mac, your Birds 365 guys, will be joined next by one of our faves, leading columnist for the Daily News Inquirer, Philly.com, Marcus Hayes, going to jump aboard Birds 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work 
building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We got a Thursday edition of Bird Street for 65 cooking, and it might get fucking fat up in here right now because uh, joining us is one of our favorite opinion generators in town. He covers everything for the Daily News Inquirer and Philly.com, and he stirred some people's interest this week. Marcus Hayes joins us on Bird's 365. How you been, Marcus? Good morning, Mac and Mac. Yeah, Marcus, good to see you. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, what about bless. 18 hours? <laughs> 18 hours. Uh, Did you so, pass too, Marcus? I'm taking that? it now since we got you on the air that you passed as well. I did. I, I've been triple vaccinated. I was a COVID alarmist in January of 2020. <laughs> I was, uh, I, 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 I stayed in this office for, I think, I got, I got to tell you guys a little story. So I'm dressed differently today, but for our Interquire staff COVID planning meeting, like when everything shut down in March last year, we had a meeting. So I had a really heavy, like Brooks Brothers or Polo uh, Oxford shirt, the button down blue Oxford shirt. So I put it on and I put it on the chair right over there. And that's where it stayed for, <laughs> I want to say 19 months <laughs> without being washed. I would just take off whatever I had and put that blue button down on because it's, you know, it's really good for TV. It's good for Zoom <laughs> meetings. You know, if you're walking around doing yard work, you can take off your yeah. work shirt, put that on. Nobody can see, you know, you guys don't know if I'm dressed right now, right? You don't know hey, if I'm wearing That's hair. right. I'll tell you right now, I got good, shorts Good looking on, sweater though, Mark. You give you points for that sweater. Looking yeah. pretty suave. Ah, yeah, thank you very much. I, uh, so yeah, it was interesting. When I finally washed it, it was only about two weeks ago, three weeks ago that I washed it. And I can't even remember why. Oh, it was wrinkled. It finally got wrinkled. You know, it was that heavy broadcloth that didn't wrinkle. It finally got wrinkled, so I washed it. And I realized that the chair I'm sitting in is a rolling chair. 
I had rolled over the shirt tail and ripped it. <laughs> but I don't know when that happened. So I've been wearing a dirty, a, a ridiculously dirty, uh, wrinkled, ripped shirt on all my Zoom and StreamYard calls. I I hear you, man. Right now, the dog was a little bit late getting back in. So I had to race back here by 8 o'clock. So I wanted to put long pants on, but the shorts are on right now. That's the best I can muster. It doesn't, it's COVID world, everybody. I was thinking about how many COVID tests I've had to take. Jody asked me. It's probably, I'm I'm getting close to 100. It's been, it's been that many. Uh, but at least we're getting a little bit back to normal. And well, my, uh, I, I, yesterday was the first time I've been to the Eagles because I didn't, we, we put our, uh, daily guys in the like, you know, two B or yeah. tier one or whatever grouping. And I really never had a reason to go that would preempt there since everything's recorded and you can get everything anyway, and you don't have any real access. So that was the first test I'd taken um in public maybe in a year i've taken several home tests you know every time you get a sneeze or whatever you're you're taking a test and my kids have had colds you know but nobody's been infected but um yesterday i went down people are asking me you know you're not supposed to write today why are you down here and i told them i'm down here to take my whooping (laughs) because my my one of the things I, i learned a long time ago i think it was from rich hoffman and Stan Hockman is that if you write something that is particularly strong or controversial, you should show up the next time you can in case the, the subject or subjects of that essay are disappointed or angry, or maybe you've got gotten something wrong and they don't want to deal with you over the phone or via text or whatever. They want to deal with you in person. That, that's happened several times, but it didn't happen yesterday after I benched Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and we're going to get to that. By the way, you have a big week because you got to go to Camden. You got to deal with Ben Simmons. You got to <laughs> deal with what you said about Jalen Hurts. But we are Birds 365. So we'll focus on Jalen for now. So I think you're the first to say maybe it's time to bench him. I, I've kind of intimated, you know, if Nick Sirianni doesn't believe him, what's the point? So if he's protecting him, maybe you start thinking in a different direction. But Sort of take us down your thought process and and where you are as far as Jalen Hurts and if he should be the quarterback of this team right now. Well, it's kind of a – in the moment, it's kind of a, a, a two-pronged conversation. Number one is Jalen Hurts getting better and consistently giving them a chance to win, not making mistakes and making plays. Well, I think we agree that he's not making a lot of mistakes. He's not turning the ball. In, in, in football, the quarterback's first job is to not lose the game. And that's generally done by turning the ball over. He's not doing that. Um, I ha- I will say, though, to your point, John, if you are so limited in your play-calling package that you become so predictable that almost everything's ineffective, that's almost that's effectively turning the ball over because you're, you're, you're turning the ball over after three plays on every possession. The other side of the argument and the more compelling side to me, because, I, you know, I don't mind developing quarterbacks. So, well, how many quarterbacks have we developed here, John? Like seven, in the, you know, since Andy Reid took over. Yeah. Um, eight, if you want to talk about, you know, Bobby Hoying, who, who didn't really develop. Um, the other part is you can't waste a year of Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, you know, Brandon Brooks, if he comes back, Jason Kelsey, who might retire at any point. 
Darius Slay, who's, you know, maybe maybe playing better this year than last year. You can't waste it with a quarterback who can't win games for you. Now, I know Joe Flacco, the number one backup, the first backup, is no man's, you know, I don't know, Nick Foles, say, who they could have had, by the way, twice for nothing. But he will, if you protect Joe Flacco, history has told us, <clears throat> excuse me, history has shown us, history, has, history will tell you, that he can effectively run an NFL offense. He recognized blitzes. He'll recognize defensive looks. Um, the second look issue that Jalen Hurts is having where they're disguising things at the line, then backing off or backing off, then rushing. That's not as big an issue with Joe Flacco. And despite Joe Flacco's horrible second preseason game, he had a wonderful third preseason game. He's a viable option. And you have an opportunity now for the Eagles. The Eagles have this opportunity now going to Las Vegas, and then they have, including that game, Vegas is 4-2, and two, they have the easiest schedule for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But that schedule is only easy if you have a quarterback who's capable of running a real NFL offense. Marcus, one, one sidelight there to what you just said. Haven't the Eagles already given up on this season of Lane Johnson or Fletcher Cox, whoever else is the veteran that they, uh, in the prime, you don't want to go. They traded Zach Ertz this week. And despite Howie Roseman's protestation, no, it's not a sale. We are giving our other tight ends, our young tight ends, Tyree Jackson, who nobody's seen for two months, a chance to step in and prove that he can play. Come on, it's a sale. You went for a future asset, a future pick, and a cornerback who can't get on the field for the Arizona Cardinals but may get more of a chance here. That's a future deal. That's not a now deal. You're talking about worrying about losing a now situation with some of your veterans who are here with the trade that they made, didn't the Eagles already mark that the fact that this isn't a season that they were not worried about what the one loss record is. Well, I, I guess I get, I don't think so. And I, I, this is why if this deal had been made at the end of training camp or, you know, before last year's draft where they could immediately use that fifth round pick, <clears throat> excuse me then we wouldn't have – I don't I don't think that that's our assumption. Zach Ertz is a pretty good player now, but, you know, he's averaging – he's had a really good, pretty good run over the last, I think, four games. First two games, he didn't get a lot of inclusion. The last four games, he's averaging, I think, 3.8 catches for like 37.5 yards. Now, if your season is going to fall apart because you lose a tight end who um, – you lose a tight end who's – giving you 3.8 catches for 37 yards, then you didn't have much of a season to begin with. My point being, <clears throat> Zach's not playing at a Pro Bowl level, and he didn't play at a Pro Bowl level in the absence of Dallas Goddard. He had a pretty good game. So God bless him. But Zach Ertz today isn't the Zach Ertz of two years. So I don't think that that move indicates abandonment of the season. Uh, Marcus, I, I kind of want to take you to the larger thought process here of what's going on and and the fact that I've argued that if Nick Sirianni is is comfortable is competent in Jalen Hurts that's actually a worst case scenario because that means his offense is terrible however if he's protecting Jalen Hurts it makes a little bit more sense is that kind of where you are as well? Uh, because if, if this is his offense, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Joe Flacco, Gardner Minshew, 
if there's no inventiveness, if there's no, and that was the talk, Doug Peterson had checked out and this guy was going to scheme people open. He was much more involved. This offense looks really, really simple right now. And everybody seems to have figured it out. So shouldn't, shouldn't in a way Eagles fans hope that Nick Sirianni is protecting Jalen Hurts because the alternative is far worse. Well, I don't like it when coaches lie. I didn't like it when Nick Sirianni told us, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was hired that he hadn't watched a minute of Carson Wentz's tape. Carson <laughs> Wentz is still on the team, and we assumed, and so did the Eagles. I know, I know this for a fact, and I know that you do too, that Nick Sirianni yeah. would bring in a staff to help rebuild Carson Wentz. I really don't like being lied to in the moment when I see it happen over and over again. I've made fun of Nick Sirianni's presentation, but nobody's this stupid. Nobody's this bad a coach. Nobody's this, I mean, so for him to intimate, to lie by omission about this being an advanced version of his offensive vision is insulting. It's insulting the way that, you know, Ben Simmons was supposed to be treasured as a special player last year, according to Doc Rivers, when any sort of like alternate strategy was suggested. I understand that Nick Sirianni has no equity in the NFL, that he can't go to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and say, look, this is what has to happen because he shouldn't be a head coach. You know, he's, he doesn't have the credentials. He doesn't have the experience. He should be with, honestly, he should be with Frank Reich and Frank Reich should let him call some plays. And that's how Nick Sirianni should land at his first head coaching job. But Nick Sirianni's not this bad of a, a play caller, a play, uh, I'm sorry, a game plan schemer. He's not this bad a coach because no one is. Honestly, like you and I and Jody could devise a game plan that's more deceptive, creative, and effective than what Nick Sirianni has boxed himself into or what Howie, Lurie, Howie uh, Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have boxed him into by insisting he continues to play Jalen Hurts, and tries to win games with him. Marcus, just let me uh, tie up one specific thing about your stance that maybe it's time for Jalen to take a seat. Um, yeah, Joe Flacco could come in. They could expand the playbook. Things could get better. Or they could continue to lose at the pace that they're at. They're 2-6. and six. All of a sudden, they're, uh, instead of 2-6, and six, they had uh, one win, three losses. Now they're 3-6. Uh, nine instead, and it hasn't gotten any markedly better with Joe Flacco. Do you go back to Jalen Hurts at some point? Do you give Gardner Minshew a shot? If you had Jeffrey Lurie slash Howie Roseman's ear, how do you blame the quarterback going forward if you're pulling Jalen Hurts at this time? Well, Jody, the, the other the other avenue down which we've been led that's blind and false is that Jalen Hurts looks good in practice. Jalen Hurts looks horrible in games. I mean, he does almost everything wrong. He's incredibly inaccurate, like comically inaccurate. His decisions, especially on the RPOs, are almost always wrong. There was a play um, near the end of the game against Tampa Bay where he dropped back in the pocket, pressure came from the left side and forced him up. Miles Sanders' second step 
out of the backfield. He ran forward two steps, then to his left into an empty flat. Jalen Hurts got to the line of scrimmage and was tackled for maybe a one-yard loss. He had fully two and a half seconds to hit his outlet receiver. He doesn't know the offense. All he had to do was turn left and throw the ball. Miles Sanders had 20 yards of space all around him because Tampa Bay knew that Jalen Hurts was not going to look that way. Now, that is an elementary high school quarterbacking mechanic, and he doesn't have it. I said that to say, Jody, he's weeks, if not months, maybe years away from being able to competently quarterback an NFL team. There are things he needs to learn that need to become instinctive, that need to become second nature. So his first read is there as soon as he feels that pressure. And he's not looking at the defensive lineman. He's not looking around him at the pocket. He's been well protected. He just has. That said, if a month from now things are still going poorly and Jalen Hurts has made significant progress, you can absolutely go back to him. If he hasn't and Joe Flacco struggles, you've committed your – third chance to Gardner Minshew you know we know this team loves third string quarterbacks ask the New York Giants right um so I don't care what happens after you bench Jalen Hurts if Jalen Hurts gets better in practice as we've been told he has which is clearly not true then you give him the reins back if the reins need to be given back and if he doesn't you go to Gardner if Joe Flacco falls on his face or gets hurt you know he's an older fella he's probably not he probably wouldn't make it through a 16 game season Old guys get hurt, as we've seen here in Philadelphia for the last three, three years. So, yeah, I, I, I would have no problem shuffling quarterbacks. It's you're, you're a team that's sort of in transition. Let's see where the transition takes you. So, Marcus, do you think they've already made the decision? I'm, I mean, you, you brought up you don't like when coaches lie to you. I'm with you there. And I, I look at Nick Sirianni, and I like Nick personally. Great guy. Uh, very engaging. But, you know, I've asked him 10 ways from Sunday, and I think somebody else asked him yesterday. Now we're at 208 throws from Jalen Hurts, six of them over the middle of the field in between the hash marks. 3%, far far and away the worst in the league by percentage standpoint. Are you going to sit there and tell me six different defensive teams showed up and said, we're going to take the middle of the field you don't even use away because that's what Nick Sirianni's trying to sell me every week. So by the way they act, we always say, don't listen to organizations. Uh, uh, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. From what the Eagles are throwing out there offensively, have they already made their decision? They know. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be in 2022, other than it's not going to be Jalen Hurts. Is that fair to say at this point? Honestly, I, I don't I don't get that vibe myself. I get the vibe that Howie Roseman took a lot of heat for drafting Jalen Hurts just on its face with so many other needs in 2020. He's taken a lot of heat for drafting Jalen Hurts because it helped, uh, you know, sour the relationship with Carson Wentz. A lot of Howie Roseman's makeup is I'm going to show you I'm smarter than you. Howie Roseman is absolutely committed to making that second round pick 
pay off and making himself look smart. So I think that part of the decision has been made that really, I think the only way we're going to not see Jalen hurts is if he injures himself or plays so badly that he's um, hurting himself. And I would argue that that's happening already. Jalen hurts is not progressing. And if you're in your 10th start, and you're not progressing, then you're regressing. All right. Then let so me ask you about a conversation. Sure that... What's that? Let me ask you about a conversation between Harry Roseman and, and Nick Sirianni. If the results are what they are, and you're harsh in your critique and criticism of Jalen Hurts, a little harsher than I would be, but that's fine. We can agree to disagree. It's not good enough. We will we'll agree on that. He needs right. to be better. The Eagle offense needs to be get better. Does Howie Roseman go to Sirianni and go, hey, uh, the, people are saying you've got a small little playbook because you're afraid this guy's going to make mistakes. We got to take a shot here. We're not good enough with your playbook as it is. We need to expand it. We need to do some things different. We still want Jalen to be the man and go forward, but he's not getting it done. You got to find a way to get it done with him. Will Sirianni expand the playbook? I'm not sure that hasn't already happened. Um, but again, Nick Sirianni answers to two masters, Jeffrey and Howie and the 52, 53 guys on the roster. If the 53 guys on the roster know that Jalen Hurts cannot effectively run a certain type of play, then he's not going to call that play, you know, more than once or twice a game because they'll, they'll stop playing for him, Jody. You know, they'll, they'll quit. They'll be like, look, if you're going to lose the – I'm not going to risk my life and limb here on, on a product I know that can't succeed. So I believe that I – mean, what was it, John, like 30 minutes – it took 30 minutes for Nick Sirianni to come to the press conference after the Tampa Bay game. It was just ridiculous. It was, you it was know, a long time. Yeah. It was ridiculous. He was he was talking to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. Oh, yeah. That's what they do. That's what they've always done. I remember, I don't know if you were covering the team at this point, John, but I remember a couple times Andy Reid kicked Jeffrey Lurie out of the coach's office after games because he'd had enough, you know. So this is the reason Jeffrey Lurie owns a team so he, he can huddle with the coach immediately afterward and dissect everything. The Tuesday meeting that he had with, um, with uh, Doug, Peterson, Doug Peterson, I didn't know about and was unusual. But, yeah, this is the reason he owns the team. I believe they're very invested in anything Nick Sirianni is doing or saying. And I think Nick is cut, caught between a rock and a hard place. And I can't believe I'm defending Nick Sirianni, who's hiring IPAN and whose first couple of press conferences I ripped. But, you know, every NFL coach, college coach, knows that you can't win running an offense this simplified with a quarterback this limited. Well, you bring up Andy because I, I think that's interesting because Andy was, a, to me, was a better politician when it came to dealing with, with Jeffrey Lurie than certainly Doug Peterson and Nick just got here, so it's going to take a while for him to figure out how to uh, traverse those landmines, so to speak. But if you look at Jeffrey pre-Chip Kelly, post-Chip Kelly, did Chip break him? Is he like, I'm not giving anybody autonomy over my organization anymore. Does he want a guy who's just going to... Jeffrey hates to be wrong, too. Jeffrey hates to be wrong, too. And when Chip was hired, you'll remember it was kind 
kind of a courtship process. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and other other teams wanted Chip. Oh yeah, Jeffrey's Chip front office set as a college coach, which was you know hiring Chip on the face of it was a bad idea. Giving him front office say was a worse idea, and demoting Howie Roseman and giving Chip full say was the worst move Jeffrey Lurie has ever made. That said, when he hired Doug Peterson and Peterson succeeded, Jeffrey became enamored of himself. He thought that he had figured out this, the, you know, the secret of success in the NFL. And it was hectoring your head coach, being, you know, the, the voice of, you know, reason in the room. I can understand things that you can't understand because I have a PhD in sensitivity. And he's wrong about that. You know, the reason they won, honestly, the reason they won in 2017 is Howie Roseman made a bunch of spectacular free agency moves for low-cost veterans who panned out great. And Nick Paul of his Marcus freezing a bit for you, Jody. Freezing up on us, so uh, we'll hope that just Mark. Marcus realizes this uh, and it's a- drops off, and we'll repunch. Marcus, do us a favor. Uh, drop the line and uh, reconnect if you can. Glory has created okay. in the vacuum of leadership after Andy Reid. Damn, that was a good answer, too. I had a feeling. Uh, <laughs> that is interesting. I think Chip Kelly, in a way, broke uh, Jeffrey Lurie, and he's been different um you know he's always been an involved owner which by the way i've always said is a good thing the the worst thing you want is a guy who doesn't care uh if you're a fan and jeffrey cares deeply so that part of it is a positive uh but i do think he he and and really you know when you think about doug peterson it's astonishing to me and and marcus was going down that route and i i knew where it was going it, it, they they really believe, and by they I mean uh, Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman. They really believe they're more responsible for the Super Bowl Fifty Two championship than Doug Peterson. Right. Otherwise, Doug would be here. Obviously, uh, they would have gave him a mulligan um, and and allowed him to do certain things and try to rebuild the, this organization because obviously he he was the one who gave them what they weren't able to accomplish, even with one of the greatest coaches ever. And we all agree with, with that. And now we've seen Andy Reid in Kansas city. Um, They finally got over the hump and they believed that they were responsible. And that's kind of what Marcus was saying. Right. And that was evidenced by the fact that they hired Nick Sirianni. If they didn't believe that Doug Peterson was like kind of along for the ride, they wouldn't have had the confidence to hire a guy who's never been a head coach before. And had only been an offensive coordinator for a couple of years and biggest claim to fame was the fact that he worked side by side with a former offensive coordinator here. Nick Sirianni was an underdeveloped hire when they handed him the keys to the Eagles car. And you don't do that if you don't believe, well, but we're here. So we'll be perfectly fine with a young guy who's going to have to make his bones and going to have to work through some things to get his coaching career started. Yeah. That was kind of evidenced by the hire that they did when they let go of Peterson. I don't know if that I'd use the word broke, that Chip Kelly broke uh, Jeff Lurie. Changed I like him, I think hardened him. I think he I don't broke know if he him. Broke him, but he, I think he, he certainly him. changed him. 
Well, broken from not, uh, it, it, there's a way, it depends how you take it. I meant in the way of he is not giving autonomy to another coach. Uh, the kind of autonomy that you think of when you think about uh, Bill Belichick or, or, or one of these guys who are, have personnel all-encompassing uh, uh, power in the organization. I mean, we went, and Marcus described it, we went from a guy who uh, had total control over his coaching staff, had total control over personnel, um, forced, you know, Jeffrey Lorty's closest competent to the other side of the building to uh, a guy who couldn't, uh, wasn't given uh, the ability to even have his own coaches at times. And now we're at Nick Sirianni, a first-time head coach who is, you know, uh, probably got a little bit more rope when it came to hiring his coaching staff, something we've talked about. But I do believe he's told to do certain things, and um, he's got to do them. Is Jalen Hurts one of them? Look, I, I don't think they want to play Joe Flacco. I'm not going as far as Marcus. I don't think they're going to play Joe they want to play Joe Flacco. I don't even think they want to play Gardner Minshew. I think they want to give the whole season to Jalen Hurts. But, you know, does does Nick Sirianni believe that as well? Because Nick Sirianni, I always talk about this disconnect you have between uh, a coach and, and, and uh, an organization when you're in a transition phase. Like when you're when you're all on the same page, everything's fine. Everybody's trying to win a game. You're, you're a contender. Um, every game's important. When you're not, and use whatever term you want to use, Jody, transition, rebuilding. I don't think there is rebuilding in the NFL, but there are different phases. We, we can all agree on that. And you have different end games. You have different goals a lot of times. And Nick Sirianni's goal is to beat the Raiders. So how, how does he beat the Raiders? If he thinks he has a better opportunity to beat the Raiders with Joe Flacco or Gardner Minshew, he would do it, but he doesn't have the power to do it. So I guess that that's my ultimate point. And I don't know if he's at that point, by the way. I don't know if he's at that point. But he doesn't have the power if he is at that point. Let me ask you about endgames. What was the endgame with Gardner Minshew? And you can say, ah, come on, they only gave up a six. Well, uh, they no, only got dark, a fifth dark, dark for Zach Ertz. Dark to so, throw at the dartboard. That's it. Uh, it an, another dart. You hope, just like Tay Gowan and Mac McCain uh, at, at, at cornerback, who nobody even knows, and, you know, Zach McPherson as a fourth-round pick. You got three darts. Maybe one of them hits the bullseye moving down the road. Gardner Minshew has played a little bit, made some plays, showed some ability, hasn't shown the ability to win football games largely, but he he's he's done some nice things. Just another dart to throw at the dartboard, basically. Mm, well, if that's all that a sixth-round pick gets you is a throw at the dartboard. Well, that's what a sixth-round pick is, a throw at the dartboard. So it's okay. the same thing. I mean, how many six-round picks other than Jason Kelsey being the most obvious? The percentages aren't great, uh, 
when you're talking I mean, about six-round picks. It was a pretty good six-round pick who came in and kind of wrecked the Eagles last week at quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, well, I, of course, 199. But, again, look at 199 throughout history. The odds are against you, Jody. That's a dart. That's the definition. You hit the bullseye with Tom okay. Brady. Well, Guess then... what? You ain't hit the bullseye again. You haven't had the bullseye since with 199. Uh that's that's the whole point. Yeah, you're crossing your fingers. You hope there's always guys who uh, slip through the, the cracks and turn into great players, and that's why I brought up Jason locally here. I mean, who who was number one? Who was their first-round pick uh, uh, when Jason – was it was it Danny Watkins? I, 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 I have to look at that draft. But um, was Kelsey before or after Brandon Graham? Brandon the year before? And Kelsey Nixon year was uh, 2011. Um, 2011 draft. So uh, I'll have to look it up. But, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, if you get a Hall of Famer, and I don't know, I Jason to me is borderline. He's got a chance. Got a chance. Um but again, he's a six round pick and, you know, all anybody talks about when they, when they grade drafts as they look at the, and it was Danny Watkins. Um, so that draft was Danny Watkins, Jaquan Jarrett, Curtis Marsh, Casey, Casey Matthews, Alex Henry, Dion Lewis, who turned into a, uh, a pretty good player, Julian Vanderbilt uh, and, and Jason Kelsey. So, you know, you, you got a Hall of Famer in the sixth round, a potential Hall of Famer, but you know, they'll always talk about Danny Watkins as being the worst pick. Well, guess what? You got a first-round pick in the sixth round. Right, what does it yeah. matter? What does it matter, really? But it does matter. You sometimes get a little lucky with these draft picks, but uh, it, it's the way you describe it, and you're accurate, uh, it's a throw at the dart, a dart at the dartboard. Okay, fine. But when you make deals, sometimes you hear from the organization, we were able to add a key draft cap. No, you, you added a dart. Stop. Don't don't make it sound like, ooh, you swindled another thing. You added a dart. That's all it is. It's a dart. You're going to throw at the board. When they acquire them, ooh, it's a key acquisition. When they use it, it doesn't go anywhere. Eh, we took a dart. We didn't hit the board. What can we tell you? That's the inequity of it that sometimes gets under my skin. All right, Mac and Mac here with Jan Birds, 365. Unfortunately, we lost a connection with uh, Marcus, and he has to uh, run out. So we thank him for hopping yeah. on board. And, and read harsh. Marcus at Inquirer.com. I want to get that in and read his column on Jalen Hurts. And he wrote about Ben Simmons uh, today. So big week, <laughs> uh, easy week if you're a columnist in Philadelphia, maybe. The thing, thing about Marcus is you're not always going to agree with him. But you're going to want to hear what he has to say so you can either agree or disagree with him. And I disagree. I think he's way over the top harsh in his evaluation of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts hasn't been good enough. Plain and simple. I think he's too harsh as well. Um, Marcus makes it sound like he doesn't deserve to be in the National Football League. And the one statement he made, he's weeks, months, years away from being able to play. Nah, if you're proven. years away from playing in the National Football League, guess what? That means you can't play in the National Football League. Nobody gets years to get up to speed in the NFL, nah. and I don't believe. He's already proven to me he's an NFL quarterback. 
But right now he's proven he's not a good NFL starting quarterback, and that's not where you want to be. But there isn't 32 starters, competent starters, anytime in any year in the NFL. So, I mean, that there's, you know, what kind of curve are you, you going to grade on? The Eagles are not interested in finding a guy who's uh, one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. Jalen Hurts has proven that to me. He He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. But right now, I think he's probably, you know, 25 to 30. And that's not good enough. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with Young Birds 365. We'll come back. I want to sh- uh, shift the attention a little bit more to the upcoming game on Sunday. Going out to Vegas to take on the Raiders. They've got some problems. they got some issues. Jonathan Gannon, I think, has his work cut out for him on the defensive side. We'll talk about that next here on Birds 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
Mac guys here with you on Bird 365 and we up to a trip to Vegas. That's usually a whole lot of fun, but there are people that go to Vegas and lose. They don't want to admit to it, but it does happen and uh, the Eagles are a three-point underdog. They are an underdog, but it's only three points. And if you believe what uh, gamblers tell you, and I know I've been one for a long time and have followed uh, the art of gambling closely for 50 years, um, three points is supposed to be the advantage you get for being the home team. And right this week, we know the Raiders are the home team games being played in Vegas. So that means on a neutral field, these two teams would be a coin flip. Yeah, that, be... I, I I said the same thing, Jody. That surprised me. I, I think that's some Gruden uh, stuff thrown in there. I think if that controversy didn't happen, I think if, uh, you know, Rick Bisaccia wasn't the, the head coach, John Gruden was still there. You never had any of that off the field nonsense. Um, I think they'd be probably a six-point favorite. So I think a lot of it is related. I can't think of it. Can you think of another reason? Right, but even that doesn't add up to me because if it had all come down this week and they were dealing with it all this week and it had just hit everybody that they don't have John Gruden anymore and there are issues with that organization, this week, they played last week. They yeah, the Denver and, and, Broncos and, and, and they week. played they well. They won somewhat easily. Denver got a late score that made the, uh, the final score look closer than it actually was. They dealt with the Gruden mess pretty damn effectively last week. Yeah, but you know that theory that sometimes you say, all right, everybody thinks we're going to fall apart. We have this early spike, and they really focused, and they want to prove something. And then it settles in, and maybe the next week is when all the shoes drop and you look terrible. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, because otherwise – how are the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, if you're saying these are even teams on a neutral field, and that's what that line says. I mean, I just don't agree with that at this point. <laughs> Not that the Raiders are great, but they should be four or five, shouldn't they? Well, but here's here's the one thing. I'll say. And different people have different opinions on this from the wagering community. Some people believe the line that the line is telling you something. That if something looks too good to be true, can Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Chances are it's not. I believe that from time to time, not often, but from time to time, Vegas just puts out a bad line. Uh, it, it happens. I'll give you an example of it. There's one game last week that I played that was as easy as could be. The Rams were a 10-point underdog going into New York to take on the Giants. Well, the Giants, A, stink. And B, were all beat up. And the Rams had proven that they could go on the road and win. They were one of the best teams in the NFL. So I thought the line was short. I thought it should be more than 10 points, even though the game was being played in New York. Well, Daniel Jones was an unknown until, uh, I think it was Saturday, that he was going to play or not. 
when they made the announcement that Jones was going to play, the line actually came down to eight and a half. And I said, thank you very much. I'll give you the 10. I'll sure as hell only give you the eight and a half because I don't know Daniel Jones going into the lineup actually improves the Giants' chances to be competitive. Guess what? They didn't. And the Rams went up and down the field against them, and the Giants did nothing offensively, and it was a blowout. And if you believed that, you looked at that line, you would have said, oh, the line's telling me something. I better take the Giants. <laughs> Good luck with that. You got abused. Uh, so I don't, I can't figure out why the Eagles are only, your philosophy is probably on board that it's the week after uh, effects of John Gruden. Uh, I don't know that that's the case. It seemed, seemed to me like Rich Pisacci had a pretty good grasp on it, that the Raiders rallied, that I think they can actually build off something like that rather than having peaked and valleyed. Uh, I, I just think it's a flat out bad line. I, I, you know, I'm not an expert on that part of it, but I will say it surprised me. I, I expected the Raiders to be a little bit of, of uh, 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 get a little bit more respect as far as being a four and two team versus a two and four team coming in. Um, on the other hand, though, I, I look at this game and I say, well, it's not overwhelming if the Eagles figure some things out on their mini buy. Um, I think this is a winnable game. Um, I don't expect them to win, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fall over on in shock and surprise if they won the football game. I don't think the Raiders are that kind of team. I don't think the Raiders are the Bucks or the chiefs or even the Cowboys. If you look in the rear view mirror. So um, I think it's winnable sort of like I thought Carolina was winnable. Um, and that was a close tight game where they needed to come back to win. Um, and maybe playing on the road helps the Eagles. I don't think they want to be at home right okay, now. Okay. Yeah. They, they have not fared well at home. Uh, let me follow up on your extra week to bone up self scouting that the Eagles had the possibility to do this week because of the Thursday night game against Tampa. I know you dressed it when you, uh, as a group had a chance to talk to Nick Sirianni. I was really intrigued by his answer because at first he seemed when he was questioned on it, well, I'm not going to tell you guys anything uh, off the record. Maybe I'll tell you something. You can't say I'll go off the record while you're on the record, while you're on video, <laughs> you can't say I'll go off the record, Nick. It doesn't work, which again, he's still growing as a head coach in the national football league and how he handles the media. Um, but then he broke down and said, well, I can give you one. That Tampa thing last week. The Jacksonville. Tampa, Jacksonville. Uh, did I say Tampa? I'm sorry, yeah. Jacksonville. Thank you for correcting me. Um, they they looked like they were going to go to a Hail Mary in the end zone. By the way, they, he got it wrong, too. He got it wrong. He said they clocked it. No, they had a timeout. No, that's how they were able to kick the field goal because the receiver made the catch. I was watching at the time. And he went down and immediately called the timeout with one yeah. second left yeah. where they could try the field goal. They did. They made it. They won. They got their first uh, uh, win and ended the second longest losing streak in the history of the National Football League, which is nice that Nick noticed it and found out about it. He was probably, uh, I don't know about him, he should have been watching live on Sunday morning. I don't know why he'd have to go back and self-scout it and break down video. What the hell were you doing on Sunday morning? On a Sunday, you're not playing, Nick. 
Well, no, he was telling the whole story about how his coaches, uh, they text back and forth about game situations and how they learn certain from college games, pro games. And he was given that Jacksonville. That was interesting. I think everybody um, thought they were going to go Hail Mary. There wasn't enough time. It was fourth and eight, too. It was fourth down. So not only do you have to throw the ball, you got to get nine yards. You got to get eight yards. Um and you got to do that in four seconds um, if you want to call the timeout. They had timeouts, obviously. Um, now, Nick said they clocked it. That's what I was joking about. They didn't clock it. They had a timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked out for Jacksonville because they're not – they don't have Justin Tucker. They're not going to make – it would have been a 62-yard field goal. Um, they were at the 44 at fourth and eight. Uh, they had to get a first down. Um, so they did a good job with it. End of game management. Um, and again, they had a timeout, so that helped. Uh, but you know, you don't think about good job from urban Meyer too much, but they did a good, they did a good job with it. And, and Daryl Bevel was who met, who, uh, Nick mentioned. So he's just talking about his coaches watching other games, texting each other, having the text chain. Oh, did you see what happened here? you know, learning game management. I don't know. I like when Nick tells those stories. I don't want to uh, criticize him for telling those types of stories because I think it takes the fans inside sort of how these guys do things and how these guys operate. Um, but, you know, I mean, well, maybe on. have a game management coach. Maybe uh, that. I'm, maybe, I'm glad uh, you, you feel that way, that you're getting all warm and cuddly about Nick. But I will question some of the things he's saying like I did. That uh, Hold on. Let me tell you something off the record. I just stand in front of a live microphone and camera. Doesn't work that way. Uh, and also, college games, really? Is that where the Eagles are getting their self-scouting college games? Well, Isn't, college is, aren't, uh, aren't they supposed to be running an NFL offense? There are many people that suggest their offense is too simplistic. Who was it who said? Oh, well, Seth Joyner on the Eagle Post Game Show. College? No, no, no. They'd have to advance to be a college offense. This is a high school offense they're running right now. When you're getting critiqued like that, do you come out and admit? Well, yeah, we're watching college games and texting back and forth as a coaching staff. Did you see this in this game? That's not supposed to help the Eagles on Sunday during this year, John McMullen. Yeah, well, this is the problem I have with Nick and and Jonathan Gannon. And I I think it speaks to their inexperience and that their messaging is is poor at times. Because there are people going to talk, take it that way. And there are people, you know. In, in in the NFL, if you I talk about it all the time, it's the only trickle up industry in the world. The innovation trickles up. So actually they're doing more innovative things at the college level than the pro level. Now the issue comes in though, they're also, you know, there's a reason there's so many RPO offenses in college because you're trying to two things you're trying to gimmick up it really goes back to appalachian state and michigan if you remember that huge upset back that was really the crux of it all um where obviously michigan was was great at the time expected to destroy uh, a team that just wasn't had the same athletes the same physicality and they came out with this you know rpo spread offense and 
Michigan didn't know what to do. And they even the playing field. Navy had been doing it for years with the triple option and and teams in Army and teams like that who do that. Um, the NFL is different. Everybody's got the same level of talent. So it, it comes down to who executes better. Uh, and, and more than that, who can teach better? In the allotted time they have, we talk about all the time, the scale back practice time. Everybody's got that scale back practice time. So who can who can teach better in that short front framework to get players up to speed? And a lot of people have gone the route of, well, let's go college. Let's make it more simple because we don't have time. We don't have time to be Bill Walsh. So let's make it more simple. That's what the Eagles seem to be, seem to be going. It's what Chip Kelly tried to do and had some success early until people started adjusting. Um, is it good? Is it bad? I always talk about from an from an aesthetic standpoint, it's really bad. But are you going to win football games? If they start winning football games, it's probably not going to be a problem for most people. To and say the is, least. This is a broad brush statement. I get it. And you could give me a couple of examples where it actually has worked. But the two most successful coaches in the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, in one guy's case, back it up 20 years, in the National Football League are Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. When did either of those two ever go to the college offense? No, but they both, they both, that's the beauty of Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. They both, um, are, are it's ironic because they're so old and people, you know, I got knocked by Tony Khan for being old this week, but, um, uh, whoa, 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 I'll tell you that story, but yeah, yeah, I need that story. Like now we were, I'll let you finish your answer, but no full. Well, you're going to give me that story. We were were talking about wrestling and, and Tony got upset because I criticized his product. So he said, you're not my demo because he, he gave me an age shot. But anyway, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. So when you talk about, about, oh, when you talk, I I think it's, I think it's ironic that, that they're two of the oldest coaches in the NFL. They're the two most innovative. I talk about it all the time before anybody around the country knew who the heck Chip Kelly was. Bill Belichick was loved. The guy was diving into what he was doing from an offensive perspective. Uh, and tried to bring tempo to his offense, which he was able to do. I also talk about it all the time. He was also smart enough to, and I'm talking about Bill, to filter out the stupid stuff in Chip Kelly's offense. Like, you know, he had Tom Brady, so there's a luxury where you can put your foot on the gas, you can take it off the gas, you, you have a quarterback who's smart enough to do it. Andy Reid was the first guy Brought in that guy, I forget his name. I wish I remember it from Nevada with the pistol offense. He was one of the first with that. How long did that last? Well, it, it, you know, that's but innovative people, they don't stop. Okay, it maybe it didn't last long. They're on to the next thing. But the point is, no, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid have been taking stuff from college for years and years and years. They just have better filters. They have better filters than the guys who say, I'm just going to run what the Eagles are running. I'm just going to run it. There's no filter there. 
Andy Reid runs RPOs all the time. There's the filter with everything else. Mm, yeah, but he moves on pretty quickly. He, he's it, Both of them are very open-minded as head coaches, and it's part of what makes both of them great. But they take the little dab that they need. They put it on film. They make another team think about it. And then they just move on, and they don't stick to it. They don't try and overdo it. That's why they are as good as they are. How did you piss off Tony Khan? Oh, I said he had a bad business plan. Now, wait a minute. When you say you said, where did you say? Did you call Tony Khan? Do you no. have his personal number? No. Do, but do we, you guys we... FaceTime when you speak on the phone? you got to give us more details than no. well, I said uh, to Tony uh, Khan. No. Well, mainly, you know, the stuff that Tony gives me is off the record, so I can't talk about it. But um, I, I just put on Twitter, I said, AEW, I was talking about, which we're not. Uh, it, it's a bad business plan. He got upset about that. Um, I, I just think now. It, now I'm going to beat up on you. How is it bad? They're doing well. They're growing fast. No one is well, taking a I shot said, at Vince in years, I, and they're I doing said, so, and they're doing well with it. Tony has uh, uh, dumped about nine figures into that company. Um, so we're over a hundred million dollars. Um, that he has dumped in to get that company started. Now, most people, Tony has the luxury his father's worth $6 billion or so. Right. Obviously, Tony has the luxury to withstand those losses. So I just said, you know, common sense. If you're a very wealthy individual, if you're a wealthy individual what they and you want to dump $100 million into something, there are easy ways to make money in this world. Than pro wrestling. So right off the bat, I said, this is a bad business. This, this, you're trying to take on Coke uh, that's already in, in, in entrenched uh, and already has billion-dollar TV contracts. Yeah, that's not a good business plan. You can go make money in multiple different companies in an easy fashion. Now, the beauty of, about Tony for wrestling fans, he loves that industry. He loves it. It's his passion. The Jaguars aren't his passion. That gets him in trouble. Uh, Fulham, the the soccer team he he and his father own uh, over in England, that's not his passion. He owns True Media. That's not his passion. Analytics. Pro wrestling is his passion. But if he's honest, and if Tony's watching the show, which he's not because he's too busy, runs 15 different companies, he knows there's easier ways to make money. That's not a controversial statement at all. It probably isn't, but you're a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling fan. I wish it could be my passion, too. I wish I could. Well, I wish. $100 I, million know, to dump it. Shad, the worst thing in the world. No, no, Shad. I wish Shad Khan was my father. Who's your daddy, Shad Khan? Yeah, sure. that's a good thing. Shad gave uh, Tony and his sister a uh, true story. Uh, this I can say. Uh, because Tony has said it, um, he gave. Uh, he said, "You, you." He loves his kids, Shad, and, and he he's really supportive of Tony, and uh, it's one of the reasons he can do what he does. So he said, "You guys are going to make. Uh, you guys are going to inherit a lot of money. You might as well blow some of it while I'm here." And Shad himself said, "Don't do it. Don't do it." Don't start a wrestling company, but he loves it and he did it. My only point is, 
you know, he's got these wrestling reporters snowed, man. And, and he doesn't like me because I'm an NFL reporter and I ask questions and I'm like, cause he's got him saying you're winning 18 to 49 demos. And he's got him saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make money in, uh, 2022. And I said, Tony, that's fiscal year. You've dumped, dumped nine finger figures into this. When are you going to make dollar one a profit? He doesn't like that. Okay. Giving him some harsh realities. I like the product. I enjoy the product. And I think well, that's a different to... conversation. Here, here's the conversation I'd like to have with, uh, Mr. Khan. Did you know ahead of time when you started investing all this money and got in bed with TNT, which isn't a bad place to be, it's just as good as USA, where uh, and and they splintered off the Fox and their whole pay per view thing. The NFL is is more of an octopus, has more uh, the WWE has more uh, tentacles than than does AEW. But did he know that TNT was going to jump into the hockey business? So that his show was going to be relocated to Saturday night when it was on Wednesday night. And I'm sorry, Saturday night is just not as good a night. That's where I think he's taking it. If I'm going to get on Tony Khan's case, I'm going to get on his case in that he signed a contract with TNT, which gave them the ability to move the show from the night that it was on. You built up an audience over two years and they, oh, by the way, we got hockey now. See you. Get to Saturday night. That's where I would uh, criticize Tony Khan. No, Not well, the fact the, that he's that's part that's, and spending a lot of money for good wrestlers. No, that's part of that's part of it. I mean, no, uh, TNT, and they're moving to TBS because of that uh, in January. Um, look, Tony only got. Uh, we're going to get yelled at for talking about wrestling, but Tony only got the TNT contract because he's close friends with the guy who runs TNT. That's the only reason he got it. So it wasn't a high-profile deal. In fact, their first deal, which I broke the story, by the way, uh, was no rights fees whatsoever. They got production fees. It's about $26 million in production fees. Uh, Then they were having some success, and uh, TNT came back to them and said, all right, you're doing some good ratings for us. This is good. This is cost-effective for us. We're going to give you a bump. We're going to give you four and forty-three and a half million dollars. Now I'm getting, in, I'm getting way too into the muck here, which sounds great. And this is why, yeah, he sold this to the wrestling reporters, and I said, yeah, but Tony, that doesn't include production fees. So he got forty-three and a half million dollars. He could sell it to certain people. He really got fifteen to twenty million dollars on top of what the production fees because now he had to produce and by the way he's not producing those shows at 500 grand a week he's going over production it is a money pit mm, yeah that's why tony cut he's gonna stop talking to you mcmullen oh he already be- has yeah he already has for months and months and months then he got mad and then he likes me in the end he likes me in the end he likes me because i'm honest I like McMullen, too, and I'll spend 40 more minutes with him. And, yes, I promise, when we come back, Eagles, Raiders, how the hell are they going to stop Darren Waller? Somebody's got to explain that to me. We'll come back, and I'll try and get out of Jay Mack next year on Birds 365.
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. And then all of a sudden, breaking out potential star in Henry Rux, Devonta Smith's old teammate at uh, Alabama, who had a, okay, I'm not afraid to call it a mediocre rookie year in the NFL, but the last couple of weeks, he has been a breakout star for the Raiders. Uh, I saw a quote from Darius Slay, I think it was Elliot Shaw Parks, um, had uh, a quote from him saying that you need to play uh, the Raiders tight end, like he's a uh, wide receiver and the suggestion that, Hey, they can do that. They, they, they did that against Jason Kelsey. They dropped uh, either Nelson or slay down against Kelsey and that helped slow him down against the chiefs. Oh, okay, fine. Do you remember what else happened against the chiefs? You shut down Jason Kelsey. W- what did the wide receiver do against you? 
a buck 80 and three touchdowns? Okay, uh, pick your poison. One way or the other, you're going to be in trouble. I, I think that Derek Carr is going to have a big game against Eagles on Sunday, J-Mac. Um, it's possible, obviously. You know, I think the most disappointing part, if you look at the Raiders' early season, and if you want to nitpick, is the fact that they haven't gotten the running game going. You would thought that with Jacobs, they would be a, a top-tier running team. That hasn't happened. Well, but, but, but wait one second. How's their running game look in comparison to the Eagles? Well, I yeah, I'm not comparing it to the Eagles, obviously. The Eagles, although you can you say know. the Raiders' running game has been underachieving. Okay, I'll buy that. But in for this them, game, there are going their... to be two teams on the field. One runs the ball more effectively than the other. That would be the underachieving Raiders. For for their expectations, they're underachieving. They they thought that would be a big part. They all their running backs are under four yards of carry, which I think they're disappointed with. Um, especially with Jacobs, who's supposed to be one of the better uh, running backs in the NFL. So that's all I meant by that. And actually, you know, again, if you want to bring Jalen Hurts into the conversation, his running has been fine. So again, non-traditional uh, running has been there for the Eagles. Traditional running has not. Um and just handing it off to the running back. But I well, I don't like the comparison to the Chiefs for this reason. One, I mean, you're talking about two Hall of Famers, likely, and Travis Kelsey and and, and Ty, Tyreek Hill. Um, as, as much as I think, boy, you know, Waller is a wide receiver. You know, so what Slay was saying, he was drafted as a wide receiver – he was a wide receiver in college at Georgia Tech. I still remember his rookie uh, year when he was here in joint practices, killing the Eagles secondary because he was so big. Um, made the transition. Uh, doesn't really block anybody. He's a glorified receiver. So, yeah, you should treat him like a receiver. And Ruggs, Ruggs is, um, you know, tremendously fast. We all know. Leads the NFL in yards per catch. Uh, 20 over 22, I think, but he's not a high volume guy. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to catch 10 passes like Tyreek did. When you get 22 a catch, you don't have to be a high volume. Well, guy. yeah, but, but you there's five catches, you're over a hundred yards. Exactly. But there's a difference between a, a guy impacting the game. And, and one of the strengths of the Eagles defense, arguably the strength because of the way they play they don't give up a lot of explosive plays. So they're built to play somebody like uh, Ruggs. My guess is they put Slay on on Waller and they bracket uh, Ruggs in the two deep coverage. That's what I think they're going to do. That's what they did a lot um, against Kansas City um, in a similar situation. But I think Kansas City's players are better. So, you know. I, I don't think – no insult. Don't go DK Metcalf on me, Henry Frogs, but you're not Tyreek Hill. So uh, from that standpoint, I don't think it's as quite as big a concern. No, and then if that's the case, they're going to work hard to take both of those two guys out. Well, then Hunter Renfro's got a chance to light them up because yeah. uh, if ever there was a guy who I thought was a perfect fit for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, it was Hunter Renfro. Uh, little guy, great in the slot, 
gets the first down, catches everything you throw their, throw his way. Yeah, they're not going to get behind the defense or make any big plays. But on third and seven, they're going to get nine. Um, he's got 300 yards. How many receivers on the Raiders have gotten over 300 yards uh, so far this year? Uh, I don't know. I have to look that up. But I would imagine Ruggs is there, Waller's there, Renfro's there. Is there Okay, four? so how many uh, Philadelphia Eagle receivers have well, over 300 Eagles yards receiving this year? You know, it's interesting. The Eagles are not a – yeah, they're, I've been saying it since day one. They're not going to be a high-volume passing team. They're not. They're oh. not. If they're not a high-volume passing team and they're not a good running team, what the hell are they? Maybe Marcus Hayes is right. They are a unique team because they have a quarterback who runs very effectively and a quarterback who can make some big plays. That's how they've gotten in games. But they have a quarterback who's also very inconsistent. So you don't have the consistency. You're not going to have 30 completions. You're not going to have 400 yards. And when you do, uh, the one game where where Jalen – uh, did have big number. It's you got to be honest. A lot of that was garbage time um, against a bad defense as well. So um, y- if you're expecting consistent 300 yard passing games from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, that ain't that ain't coming anytime soon. And part of the problem is, and this isn't on. Uh, Jalen Hurts. There are questions for Jalen Hurts and the way that his offense has been put in place by Nick Sirianni. Is it more on Sirianni? Is it more on Hurts? He's had a couple of guys come up small for him, too. First of all, Ivy Roseman came up small for him this week by trading Zach Hurts. And Marcus, I thought, didn't give Zach Hurts enough credit. He went strictly by the stats. I think Zach Ertz has been a productive guy for the Eagles for the first six weeks this past week. All right. So he only had three catches, 40 somebody. Did he have a touchdown? Yes. Did anybody else for the Eagles have a touchdown other than Jalen Hurts running it in last week? No. So there are uh, ways to get into the end zone last week were Zach Ertz and Jalen, uh, Zach Ertz and Jalen Ertz running the ball. Oh, let's take one of them out of there. Let's move away from Zach Ertz for what John McMullen calls a dart at the dartboard. Oh, maybe two darts at the dartboard. Two a darts. Round pick and a cornerback who can't get onto the field. As the Arizona Cardinals are losing cornerback after cornerback, week in and week out the injury, they still couldn't get this kid onto the field. So he's a long shot dart, as a matter of fact. But a dart is a dart is a dart. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to help Jalen Hurts going forward. And Jalen Rager isn't going to help Jalen Hurts going forward. He's been a massive underachiever since the day the Eagles drafted him. And our buddy uh, Ruben Frank put out a list on uh, the NBC Sports website over the last couple of days. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles that have to be much better here in the second half. Uh, not second half, from here on in. And uh, yes, uh, as no surprise, Jalen Rager's on that list. Hertz is on that list. A um, couple of guys I was surprised is on that list. He put Josh Sweat on that list. Um, do you think Josh Sweat needs to be better? Would you call him one of the underachieving Eagles so far this year? Uh, I think he's he's I, I think he's been disappointing from a production standpoint. Like Ruben Ruben is a is is a stat guy. So if you're looking at sacks, I mean it's not I mean, he just is. Um, if you're looking at that, you're not going to look at Josh Sweat and say he's been productive. So, 
Um, I don't think he's played poorly, but I think people were looking at the 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 summer and his training camp and how well he was performing and said, this guy's going to be a 10-sack guy. But right now, he's not a 10-sack guy. So that's where I think um, Ruben is going. Um, he's also playing a lot at left defensive end uh, now because of Brandon Graham's injury. I think he's played okay. I, I don't think he's played poorly, but I think he's talking about the production and he wants to see better production. Here's where I think that's harsh on Ruben's part. Um, you can compare him to your expectations, whatever the numbers you were going to set for him and say, well, if he doesn't achieve them, then he's underachieving. Um, that would be your own personal setting of goals. And you can compare him to other guys in the league. And you're right. He has a, what, sack and a half so far this year? Sweat, I think he, uh, the number is at one and one half, yeah. um, which isn't great. It means he's on pace for four or five for the season, which isn't going to be great. I thought, yeah, this was a year he'd get between eight and ten. So that's slightly underachieving. Or you can compare him to the rest of the defensive ends on the Philadelphia Eagles. How are they doing? Despite the convoluted explanation that we got from Jonathan Cannon <laughs> the other day on Ryan Kerrigan. Kerrigan being a productive player. You want to go by the stats, one tackle. One. one tackle. He's got one tackle this year. But according to the defensive coordinator, Ryan Kerrigan is a productive player. And no, I'm sorry. No matter how much you understand football, no matter how much you comprehend football, that's just a fictitious thing. Well, that's well, again, that's where I talked about earlier. Nick and Jonathan often get their messaging right that's about being a young coach as but let me as... hold on john let me interrupt you for a second because you're making a good point but i want to uh broaden it if they don't have the ability to message with the media in questions that you guys ask which are broadcast out to eagle nation and everybody gets to see what makes us believe they're messaging well to the players if you can't do it in front of a zoom camera you can't formulate your thoughts enough to be able to get your points across. Why would we believe that they're doing so with their players when they're coaching them up? Well, it's fair. It's a fair criticism. You could argue, you could certainly uh, extrapolate that out and say it might be happening with the players. I get what you're saying. I would say they're a captured audience. Like as soon as I heard that come out of JG's mouth, I said, uh Oh, um, bang. The minute he said he's a productive player, period, end of sentence, nobody was listening. And by nobody, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing. I'm saying, obviously, there were some fans who probably listened to the rest of the answer, but a lot of people just shut off and said, um, that's dumb. That's, and even media members said, that's ridiculous. How could you say that? Blah, blah, blah. Now, if you listen to his answer, he explained it, you know, basically, you have this, and I talked about this with Joe Krause on, on Football 24-7, which you could also watch on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Um, if you think about Ryan Kerrigan, what he was in Washington, you know, he's one of the best pass rushers of his generation, 95 and a half sacks, four Pro Bowls. You know, he's 33 years old. He's not that player. He was brought in here to be a rotational player. He was brought in here to be the fourth defensive end, the fourth, you know, guy playing 30% of the snaps. And pretty much he's been there. 
Um, he, he He's now playing a role. He's not the playmaker. He's the guy trying to do things so the playmaker can make plays. Now, that you can argue, I, I still think he hasn't been productive. Now, I'm not saying he's been productive. I think that's a load of you-know-what. I think he hasn't played well. Uh, but that's what he was trying to say, and that's what he essentially said. Look, it's a different role for him. If you're expecting Ryan Kerrigan of, you know, his glory days when he's playing 99% of the snaps in Washington, you're living in a fantasy world. He's in a different role, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to tie up blockers. And by the way, who are the Eagles playmakers other than Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox up front? Certainly not linebackers. Um, But anyway, the crux of it all is he's doing what he's asked to do in this particular system. So that was his definition. The poor messaging part was you don't say he's been productive it just comes across poorly. You got to learn. You got to learn from that mistake. Now, John, um, I don't have access to coaches' tapes and the videos that those guys do, so I'm just giving you an opinion here. Um, off watching games on television, you're a slave to the angles that they're going to give you and the like. I think Jonathan Gannon's stance on Ryan Kerrigan is crap. <laughs> that that there is nothing to it. I would I would bet good hard-earned money that there are not plays where Kerrigan gets oh, involved with two up def- well. two offensive linemen that he's pulling two offensive linemen to him so that Jason uh, the that Hargrave can get upfield and make sacks. If he's doing it to open up guys from behind him, the linebackers that he's uh, involved with two blockers on a play. I'm not seeing any of those plays the linebackers are making. Maybe they're even there, but they're not making them behind them. So what is he actually being productive at? It should be an overall team theme that it's working for the defense. No, it's not. I think he just I, – I, I'm not so obnoxious and cynical to believe that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's been around football a long time, and he seems like he knows what he's talking about some of the time. But I think he just not only – not only did he make a mistake when he said it, then he made a mistake with his explanation as well. Because his explanation held no water. It was crap. Well, yeah, I think that's the bigger part of it. But I, I think the bigger disconnect is the definition of production. I think he's got to understand what the definition of production is to the average football fan. And, you know, talk about things in a different way. Uh, and you know, it, by his definition of production, he thinks Ryan Kerrigan has been productive for, for what he's asked him to do. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I think the bigger mistake is not, you know, talking about a guy who played 30% of the snaps and even less than that against Tampa Bay. He was out there for like 19, I think, um, you know, he's a deep, deep rotational role player. In other words, if when I'm talking about this defense, I I got 10 issues I got to fix before I even get to Ryan Kerrigan. So to get mucked into my Ryan Kerrigan and about Ryan Kerrigan being productive and saying he's productive, but he's productive in my definition, which is not your definition. And then you got to go into a convoluted 10 minute explanation. 
it, you know, you, you could handle it, say, we, you could handle it in the, the coach speak way of we got to do better as a unit. We got, we got to pick up the production as a group. Brian's part of that group, blah, blah, blah. You know, the drill, Jody. Now, personally, me, I, I like it because the, the last thing I want coaches to do is to go in that shell. Like you get nothing from Shane Steichen, nothing. It's all coach speak. Jonathan will answer questions. And I hope, I hope, uh, he doesn't get gun shy because you get less information. That's the only reason. Um, I think he's got to find a better balance to explain himself to to the fan base that has a different definition than he does of production. I just hope he doesn't go. He knows how to line up and get his eyes straight with any other player further this year. I, I, I hope that one has been completely eliminated from a Jonathan Gannon vocabulary. But that's important. You know, maybe the best example of this would have been the old coaching staff. Jim Schwartz and Ken Plajol lo- loved Nate Gary for similar reasons. He lined up. He knew the defense. He had this high football IQ. And the fans hated it. They used to attack me for saying, I'm like, that's what they said. I didn't say it. They hated Nate Gary so much. They didn't want to hear anything about Nate Gary. And he really was a smart guy who knew the entire defense. And Flagell would always joke that, you know, I'm the linebackers coach and I know the second most about this defense in the room. Uh, that's how smart Nate Gary was. Um, but he wasn't a good player. He doesn't right. have the, the the physical traits to be a great player in this league. But coaches respect that. And then I always say he played through a core muscle injury also when – you know, you're fighting through something like that and coaches know it, but fans don't know it because they don't put you on the injury report because they don't want to alert the other team. Um, They respect that. So there are different things. Coaches look at things differently than, than fans do. And even media uh, does in the case of Ryan Kerrigan, you know, I bring up that injury issue with Nate for because he's playing with a thumb he shouldn't probably be playing with. And they respect that. They already lost Brandon Graham. They need those reps. They respect that. There is the injury report, and then there is injury reserve. And the Eagles moved two players on injured reserve yesterday. I'll uh, go into that with Johnny Mack. When we come back, will the will Eagles be getting reinforcements over the next couple of weeks, see if we can get the timing on that. And maybe, just maybe, during the break, my buddy, John McMullen, will get a email from the Philadelphia Eagles to tell him Dallas guarded his past protocol. We know McMullen passed the test. We know that uh, Marcus Hayes passed the test. We still don't know about Dallas guarded. And we're getting dangerously close to game time against the Raiders. Well, they just plug into, oh, Zach Ertz isn't here anymore either. Oh, that's an issue. Uh, we'll come back talk a little bit about Eagles and health and who's actually going to be on the field for them Sunday here on Birds 
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Guys, here on Birds 365, coming down the home stretch. Uh, yeah, kind of putting a bow on the show, one way to describe it. Uh, last couple of minutes with us. Uh, we will certainly be back here tomorrow as well to get you prepped for the Raiders and the Eagles coming up on Sunday, which I, I have issues. I have consternation. I'm not feeling it right now. Could I change by tomorrow? Yes. Can I change by Sunday? No. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Um, but maybe they get some good news. Dallas Goddard returning to the team. We didn't know. Here's where they're reporting. And I'm not knocking you guys, um, but it was not complete last week. Uh, Goddard uh, missed time COVID issues, but there was the possibility that he could be back for Thursday's game. That uh, if he had had the two negative tests 24 hours apart, he could actually play against Tampa. Not only didn't that happen, we're now a full week later, and he still hasn't passed COVID protocols. So we have to assume he tested positive. There was no close contact. There was no, well, yeah, he tested positive, but he's not showing any symptoms. If that were the case, he'd be activated by now. So he not only tested positive, he tested positive and is dealing with it. And it's had adverse effects 
by it, which does not give you a lot of confidence going into Sunday against the Raiders, even if he does get cleared today, which, J-Mac, did you get a eagle missive yet? No, they, they don't practice till 12.50 today. So if that's coming, we'll get it at 12.45 probably uh, or when we get out there and we see him. And then Bob Lang tells us, oh, yeah, he's off the COVID list. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm, I'm going to yell at you here, Jody, because I told you all week, well, when I was here, I said he was out with an illness. So that was, I, I said it was very unlikely he was going to play because before he got placed on the COVID list on Tuesday, Monday, he was listed as out. Now, it was a walkthrough, so it was an estimation. He was listed as out with an illness. And I said, there's, that's pretty clear. That's clear and distinct. He's got some symptoms. So it's going to be really difficult to get past the symptoms and then get to uh, test 24 hours apart and be clear. I said, if Sunday was on the table, he might've been able to get past that hurdle, but it was a Thursday game. Turns out he wouldn't have played Sunday either. No. Um, now, but that would have, that was more of a, a possibility. Uh, I still expect him. I think today is the 10th day. Um, I think I still expect him to be activated, uh, before, uh, Sunday's game. And I think he's going to play in right. Las Vegas. And that would uh, be my bet. Uh, if you took umbrage to me, including you in the group of Eagle Beat reporters, sorry, if uh, you wanted to. Well, nobody focus. else. No, I wanted to differentiate because I I was proud of myself for yeah. figuring that okay. out. Okay, yeah, <laughs> defend yourself. Good for you. I don't know why you're attacking me, but if you wanted to defend yourself, well, you I didn't say, specifically you say you. That's I why. lumped you in with all the other Eagle Beat reporters. Yes. Correct. And for that, I guess I need to apologize. But there were Eagle Beat reporters. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yeah. a chance. There might have been some that even said there's a good chance that. Two oh, negative yeah. tests, and Dallas Goddard could have played last week against Tampa. Well, he's not even cleared to play this week against the Raiders, which and is believe 10 days me, later. I said to all of them, I said he was out Monday with an illness. That's a clear indication to me he's got symptoms. Um, and, yeah, he was not going to play on Thursday. Again, Sunday would have been more of a possibility, but it turns out. And, and we'll eventually get to talk to Dallas. Some guys talk about it. Some don't. Um, you know, he's probably, uh, had cold like symptoms and needed a little bit of time to get over it. Unfortunately, we're in a different era where, uh, you have to pass these tests and, you know, it's in a different era. You just would have played through those types of symptoms, but he's not allowed to. So that's kind of out of your control from the Eagles perspective. Right. All right. So let's talk about this in a hypothetical way going forward. That way, uh, nobody gets in trouble and I don't call anybody. On well, the I don't think you were. It trouble. doesn't need to be called on I the don't... carpet. So let's say that Goddard plays, but it pra limited at practice today, maybe gets a chance. Oh, to practice. He's going to play. Yeah, he's going to play. Oh, okay. I think if he gets cleared on Saturday, he's going to play. All right. Then that's how if. If he had not uh, contracted COVID, what would you suggest the percentage number of snaps he was going to play tight end for the Eagles this week, knowing that Zach Ertz was traded? Oh, 80, 
85, 90, way up there. Right, uh, between 85 and 90. I like your number. That was the exact one that I was thinking of. If he doesn't, if he's just not up to it, if he's not 100%, conditioning. Yeah, it could be who's going to be getting those snaps? Oh, you got Jack Stoll. The return Stoll. of Dick Rod? Is that what we're going to get? You got Jack Stoll. You, you know, it's interesting, the NFL, because Richard Rodgers, we finally thought we're not going to see Richard Rodgers because he finally <laughs> signed with somebody else. He signed with Arizona's practice squad. Arizona's practice squad. And, of course, the Eagles – Send Zach Ertz where? To Arizona. And then they say, okay, we don't need you, uh, Dick Rod. And all of a sudden he's back. Um, and it, it's ironic because they they cut Casey Tucker, who's the other guy they keep bringing back, um, to bring him back to the practice squad for the 57th time. Uh, he's been with this organization. But, yeah, they can elevate Richard. Uh, they probably would elevate Richard if Dallas is unable to play. Over um, Noah? No Noah? Why no I, Noah? I would uh yeah, you could argue Noah. Uh Tyree Jackson, by the I, way. I they, wouldn't know Noah if he came down into my basement right now. I would say, who are you? I, he was here last I year. I couldn't pick you don't him remember out of a lineup. That? I know you could, but I couldn't pick him yeah. out of a lineup. Dick Rod, I think I could I think I'd get him on the first try. I, I wouldn't I, know I, Noah I would from think anybody. Because there's such youth. Jack Stoll, um, Noah, um, um, guy and 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 I would think they would want a veteran presence uh, if if Dallas Goddard's not there. Um, and Tyree Jackson, they started his twenty one day practice window, so he looks fine. They they can activate him at any time. And Howie Roseman has essentially said, "We want to see this guy play." So you got to throw Tyreek uh, Tyree in the in the mix as well. But they're they're going to give him a couple of weeks of practice, are they? Aren't they? Uh, I, you you I, think there's a chance he could be activated on Sunday? He looked he looked fine. He had his helmet. You there have been guys who you start that 21 day practice window. They're ready to go. Kayvon Wallace as well. If they're ready to go, why not play him? If they're ready to go, now he's been out a long time. You're probably right. He's been out two months. It's a little bit different than a guy who's been out three games. Right. There might be a conditioning factor. But I look at a player like um, Tyree Jackson, conditioning's not an issue with him. So, I, 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 you know, if you're competent and he's healthy, why not play him? You want to see him. Do you think there's a chance Wallace plays this weekend? Yeah, same thing. I mean, I'm, I don't think they have as much as a necessity uh, for Kayvon Wallace because – Rodney's back uh, and playing pretty well. Um, now, and, Anthony and, Harris. And Epsi has not played that bad. Epsi has played well. made some plays. That's why That's why I said Epsi's um, ahead of Kayvon Wallace now. So you don't really need him. But Anthony Harris is hurt. He's both his hands, which first time I've ever seen that designation. Anthony Harris, hands, uh, plural. Uh, is injured. He did not practice yesterday. So if Anthony Harris is unable to go, that makes it more likely that Kayvon Wallace plays. If Anthony Harris is, is ready to go, um, they don't really they don't really need him, to be honest. 
right, so I'm not overly optimistic, and I'll do some more number crunching this afternoon and check out a couple of things and have my opinion strengthened by the time we come on for Birds 365 tomorrow, but I'm, I'm feeling pessimistic, and I'm feeling bad about that. Give me an optimistic outlook on Davion Taylor this week because I've been waiting, and he's made a couple of plays, and he's opened my eyes a little bit, but then he takes a step backwards, regresses, misses a play, blah, blah, blah. And the Eagles are figuring out how much to use them. I got to believe, believe they'll use them that much more. Wilson will get that many less slap snaps this week. Is this the breakout week for Davion Taylor, where he comes up with a forced fumble, when he comes up with a tip pass, when he does something that really excites Eagle Nation? Is this the week, Johnny Mack? My my optimism with Davion Taylor is just what you said. He's better than Eric Wilson. I'd rather have him out there than Eric Wilson. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. I'm I've I've been in this camp for a long time. You know, Jody, I've said throw him into the deep end of the pool. Deep end of the pool. That's Johnny be... Mac's favorite phrase, deep end yeah. of the pool. You're gonna right see behind some... you. You got the deep end of the pool. Go see if look over your shoulder. See if you see Davion Taylor. Yeah. Ocean... See if he's jumping in. He should be. He did jump in. He should be jumping in more. There's going to be some boiling, but uh, he's got to be better than Eric Wilson. So there you have it. That's we'll your see. optimism. We'll see if that's the case. We'll get optimistic about the quarterback tomorrow as well. Uh, if you want to go back, if you just joined us during the show, you should go back. Uh, we had Marcus Hayes on and uh, his computer froze up on him. So we, we, we still had more things to get into with Marcus, but we did a solid 15 or 20 minutes with him. He, he, the column he wrote, he followed up his column with us here on Birds 365. Yeah, he Marcus is afraid out. of an, an opinion. He is not afraid of an opinion. And that's what you got to have for, yep. you know, there are a lot of people afraid to say a lot of things. And uh, Marcus is not one of them. He is not one of them. Uh, doesn't mean you have to agree with him. And I don't. I think he's overly critical of Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be the Eagles quarterback or he's done enough to merit that status, even for 2022, let alone the next five years. But I'm not ready to just say. See and by the way, Tom. Marcus isn't the only one. People kill me. I'm I'm not as down on Jalen Hurts as Marcus is, but people have killed me in the past. Who who'd you mention? Who said high school offense? Was that Seth? Uh, yeah, Seth on the Eagles postgame. I show. mean, that's ridiculous too. It's not. It's uh, I mean, so there's an emotional aspect of it. Jalen Hurts has proven he's an NFL player. He's proven he's an NFL starter. The problem is. He's a Case Keenum level starter at this stage. You know, he's not where you want to be in the top 10 or, or, or where you hope to be, where you once thought you were with Carson Wentz, and that went horribly wrong. That's the issue. He's proven he's an NFL player. There's not 32 quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts. Was Case Keenum a Freudian slip because he's starting this week for the Browns with – Baker Mayfield, that no, lineup. that's why I said it. He's starting tonight. Uh, oh, it's tonight. That's right. Yeah. Damn, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, in case was uh, when when the Eagles won the NFC Championship game, he started the NFC Champion. He was like the I think he was fifth in MVP voting that year. And I bring up Case because people kill Case. He's actually a pretty good player, but he's not. Um, everything's got to be perfect around him, and. Uh, that's not what you want. You want uh, a higher ceiling at the quarterback position. And that's what the Eagles want. Case Keenum, BTCD. 
Now, I'll give you a dollar if you can just figure that one out off the top of your head. Case Keenum, BTCD. What do you think that stands for? Um, no idea. I'm better than Chase Daniels. He's better Ooh. than Chase Daniels. He has <laughs> gotten paid more money to do absolutely nothing in this league. Case Keenum actually won a whole bunch of games. Yeah, I would argue. Well. I would argue in the MVP standings. Yeah, I would argue he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But you know, when those guys got to be starters over 16 games they tend to get exposed exactly we'll see if he gets exposed tonight all right uh, you and i watch a little browns tonight uh, good luck case keenum i think the eagles are going to need good luck against the vegas raiders on sunday but we'll give you more coverage on that tomorrow right here on birds 365 if you missed any of today's show on the jacob media channel listen to the podcast on your way home available on youtube apple and spotify you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator